She's a singer, songwriter, and actress who's been dubbed the Queen of Blues in Montreal. She's got dozens of awards under her belt and a sultry, energetic performance style. For The Vocalist Magazine Presents, this is Dawn Tyler Watson. If I were to describe my myself as an artist and as, as a songwriter, singer, I try to be authentic, which includes that my styles are anything from soul to rock, hard, you know, rock and roll, classic rock, jazz, funk, R&B, and of course I mix that all in a big pot de blues, like a big soup pot of blues, put that all in and I turn up the heat on the, you know, <laughs> in the blues. And I'm, you know, I feel that the blues is able to contain all of that. Mm -hmm. You were born in London and you grew up in Ontario. So tell me a little bit about your upbringing. Um, well, I was actually born in Manchester, England, which is the north of England. They don't like to get confused with the Londoners. But uh, yeah, my, I mean, I was raised in Ontario. We came over when I was four. And my parents uh, immigrated to, um, to London, Ontario, because the guy at the border just said, don't go to Toronto, which, yeah, I ended up there. Um, uh, we were raised in a pretty much all-white community, which was interesting because it was only when I moved to Montreal that I saw so much of a black community. I was like, oh my God, I'm black. It was a like Eddie Murphy moment. But um, yeah, my, my mom and dad uh, sent my brother and myself to uh, choir school from a young age. So from grade five to um, high school. I studied violin and I started singing. I was already singing in the choir. We went to church and, uh, and we were all singing in the choir from, uh, from a really young age, so. Do you remember your first performance and what that was like? Oh my God. Actually, I do. <laughs> I have a couple of memories from that age, you know. Uh, one of them, the first actual concert I did, I remember singing Anne Murray's um, uh, Snowbird. And I must have been, it must have been before I was, uh, like before I was in grade five, because it was at the first school I went to. And the other thing I remember was I, I was on top of one of those big garbage bins uh -huh. at recess singing, Jeremiah was a bullfrog, da-da-da. The whole bunch of kids around me going, woo, yay! So, you know, I loved, I loved the attention, the adoration. I was always uh, trying to get attention in school, and I think that that kind of, uh, you know, translated to later on being an entertainer, so. So I moved here in 88 to study at Concordia in the jazz department, and that's when I started taking music more seriously. I had already had a couple of bands and things that started to take off uh, in, um, in Toronto, 
So I got in as a mature student at Concordia in the jazz department and uh, started gigging, networking, put together a little blues band at that mm -hmm. point, got into acting at that point. Uh, things started happening right. really for me at Concordia. It was really good for me. And you know, I'm glad and very grateful that I got to, uh, to go to that school and get mm -hmm. the networking that I, right. you know. I had a great teacher uh, who first drove me bananas. I thought she was out to get me, but really what she was doing was challenging me. And uh, I guess she saw some potential there. And so she would just push me and push me and push me. And uh, it was Jerry Brown, who's an amazing jazz singer. And, um, you know, I had had this talent and I'd been singing in clubs and like doing jam sessions and I was drinking back then I'd get on stage and I'd be like, yeah, summertime, it was summertime, and really loud and boisterous because that always worked. And, uh, and I belted it out and I thought I did a great job, woo, yay, and I had a great big ego back in school. And, um, and I remember that uh, my, Jerry came up to me and said, okay, do you realize that this is a, a lullaby? And I had no idea, I, like I really didn't think about it that way. I'd always sang it the way I sang it. And she says, I want you to sing it again and I want you to sing it quietly as if you're singing it to a baby. So I did that and um, it, I left in tears because I'd never sang that way before. I was A, afraid I'd ruined my, you know, I'd failed. And B, I was just so shaken with emotion because mm -hmm. it was just a whole other place. I had to go and search that emotion. I had to go and get that mm -hmm. that feeling to sing it like a lullaby to a baby. And and it it changed my life. And I, it changed my vocal life because I, I even now when I work with singers, I, I try to teach them that about dynamic. It's just right. something that, you know, we don't really know we have until we explore it. So when did you get uh, involved with songwriting? How did that sort of start? Interesting. Um, I had always written songs since I was like a teen, but I always felt, felt they were too personal for me, uh, for other people. So I was like, nobody's interested in these songs. They're too cheesy, they're too personal. <laughs> I was very judgmental of myself. And when I um, was at Concordia, actually when I graduated from Concordia, I guess it was around 97 and I was already performing. I had a, a funk band, an R&B band called The Jam. And um, a friend of mine, Adam Broughton at the time, brought these guys who were a small record label out in the West Island. And it was kind of a hobby for these guys because they all had other industries and businesses right. that they were working on. But they wanted to um, create a record label for, uh, to, to, for jazz and blues in Montreal and, and help artists. And that's what they did. They came to me and they were putting together a blues uh, compilation. Mm -hmm. And I was gonna do like Stormy Monday and like a shuffle or some kind of standard blues. And I went, no, I think I can write something. And I wrote two songs for that record. And they were like, these are great. Yeah, let's do them. And that was the affirmation that I needed mm -hmm. as a songwriter. Um, and so that was in 97 and that basically launched my career in the blues. Okay. In 1998, July, I was on the Jazz Fest stage uh, in front of 8,000 people mm -hmm. in, on the blues stage. 
And then my next album, 2001, uh, $10 Dress, was all original. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I, it's just affirming. And then my last album, it, it's affirming as a songwriter, but as a songwriter, I still it's still like pulling teeth for me. It's an exercise, it's a muscle. Right. Some people sit down and write every day, and I don't have that discipline. Um, for me, I have to kind of go away, you know, mm -hmm. to write and focus. And uh, but I'm, I'm. It's nice to sing your own songs. It's really, really took my career to another level and my my mm -hmm. personal journey in music as well. Right. It's it's really songwriting. For me, I, I try to go deeper. Mm -hmm. You know, I try to go deeper in myself and what can I share. Right. of my own experience as well. You kind of beat me to my next question, but I was going to ask you, because I know Paul Delorier is obviously quite special to you and you've worked with him pretty extensively mm -hmm. uh, over your career. How did you guys meet and how did that duo sort of form? Well, uh, we started working together, we shared a drummer. So my drummer, uh, Sam Harrison, was playing with the Don Tyler Blues Project, which came out of that, that uh, okay. Preservation Blues Review. Uh, the guitarist at that time um, was uh, Corey Dybo, and he started working with Jonas. Mm -hmm. And so I had to fill that slot, and uh, Sam said, you gotta try Paul Delorier. Mm -hmm. So I called Paul and I said, hey, do you play acoustic uh, at all? He's like, yeah, I play a little acoustic. <laughs> and anybody who knows Paul Delorio or who have seen our duo knows he's a monster on the acoustic. And we started doing a couple of gigs and then we did a couple more. And he was selling his albums because he had his group as well. And I was selling my albums. And then we said, let's do an album together. And we ended up touring together for over 13 years. Mm -hmm two albums and uh, we traveled all over. We went to Russia, North Pole, um, um, Dominican, uh, France, of course. Uh, we, we had a great time. He's still one of my dear friends today. So we have a great chem chemistry on stage and a great yeah. friendship and that comes across on stage. Mm -hmm. so. And with Paul, do you have a, sort of a standout performance with him that you'll just never forget? Uh, many, <laughs> many, I'm many. Sure. Yeah. I think, you know, we played Jazz Fest uh, 2012, perhaps, and we played what was when they first built the new stage, the first big stage, mm -hmm. the one on in the um, Place des Spectacles. Mm -hmm. I mean, playing the North Pole, going on a uh, uh, um, military tour, which is what we did. We went up there and played. We get in a Hercules and we travel, you know, 12 hours north to the actual Arctic, the mm -hmm. most northern inhabited place <laughs> on Earth. And not many people can say they've done that. Mm -hmm. You know, I've done that twice. And the time I went up with Paul, we had a blast and we got stuck up there for 10 days. So, mm -hmm. because, you know, there was a problem with the plane and then there was weather and then Bosnia. And so we had <laughs> 10 days up there uh, hanging out in the snow and, you know, uh, with a bunch of army folks and having a blast, you know, so. That's pretty cool. Great memories. And when the bus pilot gets there, there ain't nowhere to sit down. So the driver says, you can stay right here behind me. Or you can wait for the next bus to come around. When that old man says, that's all right, I'll stand. I might look like a little old man in you. Don't even know where it's going to. Well, the driver says, 
And the genres that you touched on before, um, I would like to say that in the newest album, Jawbreaker, they kind of all meld together in some way or another. It's mm. definitely this eclectic mix of uh, genres. Can you talk a little bit about the uh, recording process for that album and just conceptually the songs and how that kind of all came together? Mm -hmm. Getting me in the studio is really difficult. <laughs> I don't know if it's because I move too much or I'm always touring or what, but. I have a hard time just sitting still and going in the studio. I'm a live artist. I love to like get out there, do something, it's done, get the energy from the audience, oh. give the energy to the audience, finny, move on next, right? <laughs> but when you're in studio and sitting there and you have to go over every little line, every single note, every breath, it's to me really tedious and my, not my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. So it's something that I resisted for a while. I've been working with the Ben Racine band now for three years. Um, Francois Tufault, who is the uh, the sax player and band leader for Ben, says, Don, you gotta do an album. Don, you gotta do an album. Don, look at your missing sales. You gotta do an album where every show we're playing, you gotta do an album. Finally, okay, I'll do it. He says, look, I'm gonna write it out. I'm gonna send you a proposal. And he put together a proposal. We can do this, this, this. It'll cost that, that, that. Here you go. And him, he's a doer. He put it down on a piece of paper within like 20 minutes where I went, I can do that. Yeah, let's do it. I brought in songs that I had half written. Mm -hmm. I brought in songs that I'd written 20 years ago. I brought in songs that I had in my head that I, you know, had on my cell phone, and we worked on them. It's definitely a community effort, right. and everybody's energy and spirit is felt on that, you know, on the on on putting together the tunes. And I feel mostly, really, it's about the energy and the love, mm -hmm. the commitment that people put into it, and the band was there for me 100%. Interesting because I find uh, sometimes it goes back and forth between these like funny, almost humorous like lyrics, and then the more serious tone and serious issues that are being discussed. So it's kind of an interesting uh, play there that you, you go mm. through with your um, lyrics. I find so that's really yeah, cool. and I like that. And that's part of my struggle as an artist too. Am I funk? Am I rock? Am I blue? <laughs> you know, like is this is a country? I got a country-ish song on there. We actually recorded another one that didn't make it to the album, which was very country. So uh, yeah, I like having all those facets. Mm -hmm. I really like because it's all part of me. Mm -hmm. I love to take things lightly and fun and just crazy and be silly. And then I also feel there's a lot of deep shit going on in the world that right. needs to be. Can I say that? Mm -hmm. I just did. But, <laughs> you know, I think there's a lot of deep issues that need to be um, expressed and explored. And as an artist, I think it's our responsibility to, mm -hmm. to explore that. So you're a pretty dynamic performer. Um, can you describe uh, a show by Don Tyler Watson in just a few words? It's going to be fun, it's going to be deep, it's going to be joyful, it's going to be moving, it's going to be uh, crazy. You'll have fun. I, I, for me, I truly believe in having fun on stage. Mm -hmm. And if I have fun on stage, and if I'm present, the audience gets pulled in. And I, I think it's so important to connect as well to your audience. Um, so I think to describe a show is, is, is really about connection and an interchange of energy.
the co-founder of Vocal Expression Montreal, um, a company, I guess, which you founded in 2013. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, um, it's something that I, I put together with a friend of mine, um, one of my dearest, longest-standing friends, actually. I've done quite a bit of uh, improvisation and studying improvisation, and I've done these workshops where you explore the voice and that that it's unlocked so many things for me personally that it's something, and so had Sheila. Sheila Vierkamp was my partner, and we said we need to bring this to other people. I've been asked, being asked for years, do you teach, do you teach, do you teach? And I just never had time before. It, it's, it's an approach to learning to use your voice that we um, wanted to extend to everyone who loves to sing, not just working with professionals or people who want to be singers or, you know, uh, singers, you know, who sing in choirs and stuff, but this is open to anyone who has a love of singing, which means we work with a lot of amateurs. We, we believe that the joy of singing is what, you know, um, can unlock so much for your, uh, whether you are a professional or an amateur. It's really exploring the voice, your own personal voice, and and having fun in that. I've always used this analogy. If you have a group of uh, five-year-olds and you say, come on, everybody sing a song, you know? Mm -hmm. They're gonna sing at the top of their lungs in such joy with so much fun. And that's our goal is to tap into that. And uh, looking into the future, what projects are you currently working on uh, in your musical career? Well, uh, we're working with Ben Racine. We're gonna be looking, I'm gonna be looking at writing in the fall again for a new album. Um, still working with the Ben Racine band, and I actually hope to do some writing with him as well. Um, I'm still teaching more. Last year I was teaching at uh, University, uh, Sherbrooke University. Mm -hmm. So yeah, teaching more, uh, touring more. We hope to be playing more in the States. I now have an American agent. So after winning the IBCs and all that, now we're starting this summer. We have a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, festivals in the US coming mm -hmm. up. So I'm looking forward to that. Cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm just really grateful and so grateful I make a living from my passion, mm -hmm. which is singing. And not a lot of people can do that and say that. And so I feel very blessed. And uh, on the flip side, what are some of the challenges that come with pursuing a career in music? Oh, not a lot of sleep. <laughs> um, I think the biggest challenge, yeah, for me right now is doing it all. Mm -hmm. As I said, just doing it all, being your own PR, being your own manager, being your own, uh, you know, uh, web designer, doing all, getting your band to get to rehearsal, doing all the scheduling, all that yeah. business stuff, the, the, the contracts, the uh, taxes, the, all that stuff. <laughs> is the most challenging thing, I think, of being, because singing part is easy. Mm -hmm. I've always said, you can't pay me to sing. You don't have to pay me to sing. Mm -hmm. I love doing it. You have to pay me for all the other crap that I go through, mm -hmm. all the day-to-day -day stuff, and like the tweeting and the Twittering, and the, which <laughs> I'm still not good at, you know? Like, that's the stuff that is tedious to me. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, somehow I've managed to keep my, my name in, in the blues community in Canada, despite the fact that I only have four hours, four albums over a 
20-year career, you know? Four albums. That's not a lot. And I'm not, it's not that I'm proud of that. It's as I've said, I said before, I'm a little shy of the studio. I'd like to increase that and do an album every two years like most artists do. But, um, you know, I, yeah, definitely want to do more recording, more touring, and get to the point where when I'm touring, all I have to worry about is being on stage and singing. Mm. I, I think it's beautiful. I was coined this phrase, you know, that the, I think it was the uh, Journal de Montréal that called me la, la Reine de la Blues à Montréal. <laughs> you know, to me, that's a title that I, I hold dear to my heart. Not that I'm any better than anybody else, but being a, an Anglophone and being, you know, mm -hmm. recognized as a blues artist in Montreal to that caliber and that level mm -hmm. is very, um, I'm very, I'm very grateful and proud of that. You're my